All right, we're back. Another episode of Bro Research Radio. I'm here again with uh, Ryan LeCure, currently living in Austin, Texas. Used to be a trainer in Connecticut. I used to have more t-shirts too. He's only got this one. I got this one purple one. Uh, he doesn't usually wear a shirt here. Um, actually, it's kind of frowned upon. Uh, only tank tops. Just trying to live my truth. Live your truth. Live your light. Love and light. Um, so... What we're going to be talking about today, the last, last, uh, last conversation was kind of went all over the place, pretty in depth, and got aggressive. Got aggressive. Definitely got aggressive. And, and this is going to be this podcast is going to is going to be more about Ryan. Uh, and so last year, you competed in November, October, both September, October, November. Okay, you did how many shows? Just three shows. Okay. Yep. Um, and when did you start dieting for that? April first. So that's 2018. Six months out. Yeah, for the first show. first show, yeah, yeah. But you, when did you? When was your ideal peak? It was supposed to. Well, I mean, we'll talk about mistakes and things, but I was planning to peak for the last show, which is probably not In the November. best way to do it. Yeah. Okay. Because I didn't want to hang on for that long, but the the plan was to to be ready in November. And when you went from what weight to what weight? I uh, started. I was hovering around two twenty three, two twenty two, and then ended up at uh, one ninety one, one ninety two. That's how I get on stage. So you were probably 225, 10% body fat? Almost. I mean, I touched like 225, like one or two days in the off season. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was probably staying around 223, 222 at, at 10%-ish, something like that. It, you know, uh, measurements aside, uh, it was it was an easy you place lean. for me. You were lean. I was, were I was fairly leaner. lean, but I wasn't fighting to be there. It was, it was pretty easy to maintain. I was eating a lot. I was actually having trouble gaining weight at that point. And you had how long had that off season been up to that point? Four years. Uh, well, I've, I competed in the fall of 2014, so it had been about three and a half years of straight gaining. You mean trying to gain? Like yeah, many cuts yeah. I did a lot of dumb things at the beginning of my off season in 2014, uh, which led to me not really starting a full off season until probably nine months post show mm. so you held so on it was to that for a while? i tried to i attempted to uh i i really just picked up a bunch of disordered eating behaviors and and crappy training for a while until i you know got my head out of my ass essentially and, and started doing things a little bit better but so it was it was a long off season but it, it ended up being abbreviated uh, in terms of progression and, and uh productivity really just from how i was eating how i was training uh injuries and Things so how many years? How many years would you say of that of that four year off season, quote unquote, were pro, were productive? I, I would probably say maybe a year, okay. really, before I really got everything together. I, I think, yeah. So this is gonna be cool, and then you're you're planning to compete again in twenty twenty two. So you're gonna have a good two and a half years to to, to do mm-hmm. this again, mm-hmm. um, to to ride the gain strength, and, and so we wanted to. There's this there's this idea on the interwebs that, that looking insane, like when people go to these, do they do these photo shoots that they are somehow healthy? Um, that this is somehow something that you want to be able to maintain this, this insane level of leanness, these washboard abs, you know, striations on your glutes. Um, and so we wanted to show you the data that, that Ryan um, collected. I was kind of the, um, I was on the back end. I was just consulting um, on his case. For the last, I think, two and a half years or so, and so uh, we're going to screen share this, and we're kind of going to talk about his labs. So we're going to 
And so the, we have labs going back from, it just shows these from 2017. And so one of the cool things that you guys can see here is, I mean, what do you, back in June, back in 2017, you're gaining here, right? Attempting to, yeah. That, that's when we just had started mass, mass two, Got right? It. So we started collecting data for that. So that would have been right around there. And Man. yeah, attempting to gain at that point. So I was, I was around that 220, 222 okay. marker at that point. I really stayed there for a long time throughout the off season. And you can, and what were your back when you're in the off season, what were your kind of your carb, carbohydrates at? 500 plus. I basically would set a baseline of uh, about 150 to 180 grams of fat, um, a 500 grams of carbohydrate and about 200 to 220 grams of protein per day. And that was just like bare minimums. And if I could eat more than that, I would. And I usually did. And that would be in the form of whatever I could get down, essentially. So a lot of difficulty gaining weight at that point, uh, even maintaining weight at that point, just uh, having to cut out a lot of the uh, denser foods. Like all my carbohydrate sources were very simple and they were not uh, very fibrous. Uh, it was not what you would consider like quality carbohydrates, if that's even a thing. And uh, really, so just, it was a struggle bus to get that in my calorie. Definitely a hard time. time. And, and those of you guys who don't know what these what these values are, fasting glucose doesn't necessarily mean a lot to us. Uh, you can do that with from Walgreens. You can go spend twenty five bucks right now, and you get a fairly reliable finger stick test. And so you going into a lab, there's a lot of variables there. Um, his his blood glucose is is fine. Look, uh, fasting blood glucose is, is good uh, for like above a hundred is is pre diabetic. Nowhere near that, obviously. And so hemoglobin A1C is, is an average of blood glucose control over the last uh, life of the red blood cells. So it's a look at uh, glycated hemoglobin. So it's, it's a, essentially a look at the damage that our like, glycation reaction, sugar slapping on protein, um, over the life of red blood cells. So that could be anywhere from 75 to 120 days. And so you can see that he is uh, – very low consistently all the time. So um, he's eating 500, 600 grams of carbohydrates and his C peptide, which is a longer term marker of insulin secretion is, is, is not high. These are, these are low values, low what, values. What guys. would you contribute that to? You think just the amount of movement that you do? Um, Cause you were training people at this time. You had a lot of clients, so you were probably dissipating a lot of that. Uh, the, the research is pretty, pretty solid on moving around eating it seems to be a good idea so the fact that i just consumed 100 grams of carbohydrates and now we're sitting doing this podcast is really it's probably the, the most the best thing for my long-term health yeah well we might get into a physical fight yeah we might do if, you, if you get fired up yeah so. i'll probably get fired up once we get down to <laughs> once we get down to thyroid um and so the this is pop, this is what i see this is what i see with people who train it seems like the movement aspect and the muscle is your your sink for glucose. If you have a ton of muscle you're, and you maintain a good body composition, you're 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 guarded against metabolic dysregulation. And so you, this is this to me is kind of the coolest point. This point over here from November to February, because November's that that was the day after your comp, right? Mm -hmm. That's when that lab work was. That was yeah, like a day and a half after. And so there, you're probably three or four percent body fat. Like you're pushing essential fat ranges for a guy, and the you can see he's he's going from November to February. You went from what weight to what weight? November, yeah. I mean, I was one ninety two the day of the show, so I was on November fifth. 
So November 7th, I was probably 197 or something, uh-huh. maybe. Uh, February 21st, I was weighing in the 230s. So, guys, low that's 40 pounds of weight gain in uh, a two to three month yeah, period. Probably fat. Yeah, definitely. Mostly fat. like collateral fattening, <laughs> like you got to gain it back. All like, fat. <laughs> yeah, you're going to you're gonna fat overshoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what happened. And, and maybe you did gain, we don't know, maybe you did gain some lean body mass in that. In that, in that, in, during that time. But even with that, still didn't see a, a large increase in, in A1C. So, Nothing. Yeah. It and, went down. And I think that the assumption would be just if you have a place to put the sugar, like it's not going to be as much of a problem. Whether you're mobilizing it or you have a place to store it, uh, having a, a sufficient amount of muscle mass and, and activity is, is the key, right? Uh, yeah, for me, for metabolic health, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the those are the big rocks. That people lose those. They they start their you know, your the point of life is not to count carbohydrates. The point of the point of life is probably to get to a point where you don't where you don't have to worry about counting anything. Um, and and we're not going to talk a lot about electrolytes or kidney function. All that's fine. Um, we're going to jump down into here into the cool stuff. And, and so the and these the colors on this are inside of quote unquote functional ranges we can we can argue about that um i don't worry we're not going to get into the nuances of or the, the debate about that topic um i just use this as a way to show kind of serial it's a good way to show serial lab markers uh, and so we this is kind of the one of the there's a lot of cool aspects of, of seeing this many labs serially uh, and this is honestly probably a publishable case study with the amount of labs that we have, the amount of data that you, that you collected over this time. And you can see ALT and AST are transferases. These are going to be, there's a couple things that rise with training in, in, in terms of blood work. Bilirubin is going to rise up acutely. Um, LDH is going to rise up. Obviously, creatine kinase is going to rise up. These are, mar- ma- these are markers of muscle damage. And so ALT and AST are markers of damage. They, they might be, there's a lot of reasons that ALT and AST can be, can be elevated. Alcohol consumption, NAFL, bad shit, um, but then um, viral loads, things like that. But training can do it as well. And Ryan tends to have like a pretty high chronic low, like chronic ALT, AST, and, and doesn't have any symptomatology to this. We could get, he's had, we'll talk about that, but he's had a lot of the testing for liver. He doesn't have hepatitis. We, we tested everything all for that. Um, we could get a liver biopsy and see if he does have something going on, but then he's got to get knifed on the liver. Um, and I don't think anybody would be, maybe with these values, they might've done it. Uh, they probably would have ultrasound you first. And, um, and so this is, this is, this is fucking banana land right here. Um, in in terms of, you just see this crazy increase. And so this is the day after the show. So June, you're still not, you're like two, 205, 210, right? Yeah. Just, I, uh, yeah, I think I was coming around 205. Yeah. yeah. And, still feeling decent, starting to feel the, the effects at that point. So two and a half months, 10 weeks into dieting, starting to feel not so good. And so I, I got, I got these labs back and I, this is outside my scope of practice, 100%. So I immediately sent text, text Ryan. I'm like, Hey man, uh, we got to have someone else look at these labs. I immediately forwarded them with his permission, forwarded them to two other MDs. Um, and they kind of said, Hey, this is the direction you need to take this. Um, and then he, he, we did, we did what they recommended. Um, and so the, he got a bunch of hepatitis testing. Um, and so just cause these values are insanely high 
And, and I mean, I don't, he's my friend. Like I, I don't want anything bad to happen to him. He legitimately I mean, could have gone to the hospital. And, and so we don't, to this day, we don't necessarily know why you saw that acute rise. My hunches from, this is my hypothesis would be that uh, immune system tanked and then you had some kind of viral load, Epstein-Barr, whatever, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, some kind of viral loads spike these up. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we do see that in, in your immune response, it could also be just the stress of training at that time mm-hmm. was so high because you were maintaining your training volume throughout this cut. Uh, and so uh, he's, he's, we got to think that he's ex- extremely under-recovered at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the amount of damage that he's doing to his system is, is probably pretty high. Um, and we see that with the LDH one as well. We see that we see that pop. Um, the billiard room didn't do much. Uh, and you did wait 24 hours after, right? Yeah, I mean, I there's some movement, some light movement the day of the show. I mean, you're posing, you're pumping up. You know, that's on Saturday. So, but nothing on Sunday aside from I mean, I was chewing a lot, uh, ate a lot of food. You also but, got this 315 acute rise in ferritin. So the ferritin rising is acute phase reaction. Yeah, I mean, so, I had like yeah, a good, good amount of. Food, <laughs> red meat. Well, I don't. That that's rise, the thing. That's I don't think this is an acute red meat intake to me. This is this is inside of this. This is an acute phase reactant. So there's so some kind of inflammatory acute. process okay. that is driving this. And you, if we think about what drives inflammation, it's usually food bugs and environmental toxins, um, or or just obesity and having too much fat will create low level inflammation. So um, and this to me is probably some kind of immune system reactivity. So the immune system reacts and it produces inflammation. That's what the immune system does. Um, and so this this to me looks like an acute phase reaction. Um, that that's going to happen. I think that's one of the one of the big. We see this with female distance runners. We see with anyone who made wrestlers. We see anyone who drives these low levels of body composition. With that, you're going to have a drop in immune function, which we see here in his white blood cells. So we just see, but they didn't drop more than normal. But they did. The cool thing is they did come back. Yep. So they did drop low, and then they did come back. Um, the his cholesterol state is pretty similar. We wouldn't expect it to change that much. Um, the TSH, the thyroid is, this is nuts. Um, so you can see his TSH kind of stays normal throughout the entire, it, it starts to go up here. Um, but TSH is the, is this, it's thyroid stimulating hormone. It's the, it's essentially, it's a pituitary hormone that tells your thyroid to produce more thyroid hormone. Thyroid is the gland that controls your basal rate. Every cell in the human body has a, has a receptor for thyroid hormone. So it's, it's, a, it's a very big deal. Uh, and, and we will see decrements in thyroid function when people lose. It's one of the things that happens when people lose weight. Um, it's, if you're inside of healthy body fat percentage ranges, please don't use thyroid as an excuse. If you don't have a pathology with your thyroid, it's probably not your thyroid. Um, people love to find easy ways out. Like he would, he had a total T3 of 48 at in May and you dieted for another six months, almost six months. She probably lost another 15, 20 pounds with, Oh yeah. I mean, in May I was, I was still uh, over 210. So you lost another 20 pounds with lab low thyroid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, That that's, I think that's a point guys. Like he lost another 20 pounds by putting less calories in his mouth than he was, than he was 
essentially putting less calories in and probably burning more calories. Maybe we'll see probably keeping that the same. Um, cause you didn't do a ton of cardio, right? Uh, I, I was doing like a few days of dedicated cardio and then the rest of the days I was, I had a step count, which just turned into me doing more cardio because that ended up decreasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that need is going to decrease with uh, decrease in energy intake. So that ended up happening naturally and I would end up having to make up <laughs> at the end of the day. So it wasn't uh, cardio in terms of I'm trying to get an adaptation. It's it's more just cardio in the sense of just trying to get more movement in. So I was keeping minimums of twelve thousand cal uh, twelve thousand steps a day, and then doing some. But I wasn't. I mean, God, I mean, some competitors are doing an hour of cardio every, every day, day, multiple times a day sometimes. Uh, so not not anything incredibly extreme. And that cardio itself, probably it, from an interference effect, it's probably that's the negative. Is that it's going to probably hurt your training volume? So as you get the heart rate up higher, you're, you're starting to. Uh, it's going to compete with, for yeah, adaptation. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I don't think that the cardio is going to have any kind of just doing exercise itself. It doesn't look like that is going to produce hormonal dysfunction. It's the reduced energy availability from that exercise. And that's why a lot, that's why the notoriously where we see the female athlete triad and and a lot of these kind of what we're seeing here in these low body fat percentages and those low energy consumption would be bodybuilders at any, like at any point, probably down farther into their competition, but also like people who are doing an insane amount of, of, of exercise volume, like yep, yep. Uh, crossfitters, uh, female distance athletes, anything, anything that involves an insane amount of uh, insanely high training volume. And you did have some low thyroid symptoms. Oh yeah. You were constipated. Um, that was probably the biggest one. Yep. Yep. That was, I mean, just, it's just generally low energy, uh, brain fog. Like, I don't know if that can be explained with thyroid or not, but I think they're all like uh, pinpointing one particular hormone to me is, is it doesn't really matter. Like mm-hmm. it's nothing about the, the, the specific hormones. Like you just said, it's this, uh, this whole array of, of things that really come down to just energy balance. Adaptation. The all yeah. these adaptational strategies that your body is having. And this is just one of them. This is like, this is this. And we'll generally, in my assumption, this is my hypothesis. I think we'll generally see thyroid react first because the thyroid hormone has about 90 days of thyroid hormone stored in it thyroid gland has 90 days of thyroid hormone so this is all regulated like this is never it's not like there's not enough thyroid hormone like no there's plenty of thyroid hormone your body just wants it this way um because it wants to turn down it wants to turn down your base metabolic rate because it doesn't want you to lose more weight and then if we look and and we look at look and see what happens it's it's auto correcting yeah just so cool that's what's wild if you look at the first measurement from 2017 uh t3 at 93 uh, you know, 223 pounds, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, not, and then I go to uh, February 2019 at 116 at my heaviest all-time body weight ever. Yeah. And thyroid hormones picked up. So, and along with that, I'm sure a lot of other things have picked up too. Just uh, meat probably increased. Uh, I probably became less efficient muscularly, probably less sympathetic tone to to periphery. Um, just everything going the opposite because in, in a, in a way, uh, your body doesn't want to gain weight either. Like, uh, it doesn't want to go either direction. It just like, it just fights it a hell of a lot more the other way. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, but I think it does fight it potentially from not necessarily maybe as much physiologically, but I do think that it does fight super hard psychologically yeah, from, from an appetite sure. from an appetite's perspective for sure yeah yeah and that's what was interesting like uh you know this was in in february at this point in time i'm at my heaviest body weight 
I've ever been at. Um, I'm eating a thousand calories on average less than I was at 223 pounds where I couldn't gain weight. Mm -hmm. And my appetite is still completely dysregulated. Um, you know, when I'm at 230 pounds, I'm still wanting to eat everything. Every, and everything then, you see. Everything. I, and it was, there was no satiation. It was all just cognitive oversight. Of, all right, I need to stop eating and every meal. <laughs> like, and uh, it's just kind of weird. I, eventually, I just hit like a cap, like a hard cap, where all of a sudden, I don't want to eat anymore. Which is why I think you see a lot of bodybuilders, like they lose control. Right? Oh, After yeah. a show, and then the only thing they have, they just start cutting. They start cutting. Yeah. You know, I'd be interested to hear your, your thoughts on this too. And I know there's, this is a big debate in, in bodybuilding right now. And, uh, what do you do post show is like, you go back up to, uh, your previous maintenance, you go up to what your maintenance is now. Do you just allow those binges to happen? Because in my mind, you know, it's, it, I think a lot of times the more that you have to pull back and go forward again and pull back, I'm almost at the place where I'm just like, you know what? Just go eat, man. Like, just do what you got to do. Get it out of your system because if you're going to constantly be thinking about it forever, because we know there's going to be this period of time. Like, if we look at the, like the collateral collateral uh, fattening concept, uh, or if we look at some of the uh, the later research that was was taken from some of those uh, the uh, Minnesota Minnesota starvation experiment uh, 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 patients. What am I looking for the word? Yeah. Um, subjects. Yeah. Subjects. Yeah. Um, if you look at some of the data they collected later. A lot of them reported not feeling normal four to five years later, still having appetite dysregulation. A lot of them were not able to get to their previous body fat percentage, uh, what they started at. Uh, so they overshot and then we were just stuck there, essentially trying to pull. So it's almost like you, there's going to be this period of time where your body's going to put on more fat. Your brain is going to be dysregulated. I think it might be forever. Like that, that's the thing. That's the thing for me is, is why I'm so scared to, not necessarily scared, but like why, if I, why I myself have no desire to do a bodybuilding competition is because I think you, you could potentially rewire the brain forever yeah. in terms of like the Minnesota starvation trial is, is a, it's, it's essentially a trial done in around world war two to test what was the, the potential um, deleterious effects of being in an internment camp. Uh, and so they dieted these people down for six months, super low. Uh, and and by the end, these guys were drawing; they were drawing pictures of food and trading oh, them like carbs. Wild, stuff, wild shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so people are going to become super food oriented, and and that that didn't dissipate for a long time. Like they even interviewed them way later in their life, and they were still screwed still up. up. And, and and that's what every bodybuilder is essentially doing to a certain point. They they are doing it in a more educated manner, but. I, the, the psychological stuff to me is, I think, especially for guys, we're seeing like his labs just come back to normal. Like, like that, that's kind of the crazy thing is like your labs came back to normal in four months of eating, getting back, you know, getting that fat back on your, getting that fat back on your body. All your hormones came back in line. If anything, they got better um, from where they were originally, probably because here, I even think in this in this initial one, you're probably under where your body wants to be as far as fat. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so to me, the, the really cool thing is that yes, the metabolic stuff, all what we can, what we can measure, right. What we know is a product of what we can measure. And so what we can measure, it looks like it came back online, but you are still screwed up psychologically from a food standpoint. Yeah. From a food standpoint, from, um, just in a, like, uh, self-perception standpoint, the, the way you talk about body dysmorphia and, 
uh, I'm very comfortable talking about all these things because I, I know it happens to everybody. And uh, it's, it's, there's a reason for it. It's your body's always going to try to find that, that middle place, that homeostasis. And I feel like every system will come online to get you back there. And that includes behavior. That includes mm -hmm. just your, uh, the way you identify yourself, uh, all of these components you wouldn't think have anything to do with it. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I have to have this constant counting game going on in my head, even right now. I mean, I've been intuitively eating for, uh, you know, at least a month now or a couple months and in a gain phase in the gain phase, you know, so Which I, I think it's probably pretty healthy at this point. Yeah. And I, I feel like I have, you know, in terms of where I'm at right now compared to where I was, like I'm in a pretty good place psychologically with, with food, but it's still definitely there. And I think it'll, it'll always be there. And, uh, I don't know that it ever really goes away with most people. And, and I think a lot of people don't even have the insight to know that it's happening. They're just all of a sudden they're different. And I'm like, even just the, like my mood still isn't back to where it used to be. I'm, I'm starting to get like my sense of humor back. Um, I'm just, I'm just a dick all the time. I was so upset. Uh, I mean, when he you is very me, easily upset. Yeah. Especially I'm, when I'm, you slap him. Yeah. <laughs> which is weird because most people love being slapped yeah, in the face yeah, randomly yeah. on a podcast. Some people. Well, you know. <laughs> don't don't yuck my yum, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I signed up for. Uh, but yeah, there's, uh, I don't even know what we were talking about because I'm just thinking about us having a webcam where you slap <laughs> in the face. And the people pay for it. So if anyone's interested in that kind of, of thing, make a lot of money. Make a lot of money. I, I, yeah, I can take it. No, it's well. like the. I think that you're. You've been doing this for a long time. You've been bodybuilding, and and you've been you've been tracking your food, um, and you've kind of learned the hard way, right? Like I, I did. I did too. Like I I I remember in college, like I was I measured everything, like because I'm super OCD. I think both of us have this natural tendency to like like numbers. We both like highly we like elements of control we like having control is is i it's not real but we yeah. like the illusion that we control our environment yeah. um and and so one of the things that i think that people need to take away from this situation and they need to respect is this is all relative all right and like yes i think that it's going to be extra bad when you go into when you lose those essential levels of fat for guys that's probably three you need about three to five percent of body fat females 10 12 maybe more though i think that females it's way more it's way more variable because like whenever you lose your period that's probably the essential and that's your that's, essential fat. and most people don't even really know when they lose their period it's probably way before that uh and so not to get, go down that rabbit hole but whenever that stuff whenever the your whenever you can't have another human that's a pretty big deal yeah. uh, because that is the point of you being on this planet mm -hmm. and so this this is relative and, and so that means that if you have clients that are, you know, they're, they're 27, they're a guy, they're 27, they're 28, they're 30% body fat, getting them down to 12% body fat may be straight crazy for them. Getting them down to 18, like I've seen labs that look nuts when people have gone from 35% to 18% and they're like, I got to get to 12. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's a good idea because you're going to become, you're going to be completely food oriented. You're going to be screwed up the rest of your life in the name of that body fat percentage. Um, and, and not to say that it's not possible, not to say that you can't do it. That's not my job is to change people's goals. But I think that we want to just have respect 
for the toll that this can take for the, the, the price. We got to be, are you willing to pay, pay the price to have that, to have that result? It's, it's funny because, you know, I don't see anyone having arguments about why they can't be taller. Yeah. You know, like I, Pat Davidson doesn't complain about the fact that he's wider than he is tall. Uh, that's just who he is. And he's always going to be that way. That's why he's a human chode. But you know, you can't change those things. Some things. And, and that, I think that people, because we can manipulate our body fat and our body composition to a degree, people think that there, there is no level to that. There, there's no cap for a particular person. Like they see this guy that's lean all the time has abs all year round. Well, why the hell can I do that? Cause you can't, you can't, cause you can't, man. Like, I mean, you can, you can try. You like, can, I mean, I could, gonna, it's going to take a ton. I of suppose work. I could just like traction myself for like days and months at a time. And I'd probably get taller. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I could figure I it out. Even know if that would work. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, but there's certain things that, that are just not in the realm of possibility uh, without completely screwing yourself up. Yeah. And genetics is, is, is uh, from what we know, genetics is, is fairly, our height is, is genetically related. It's poly, it's polygenetic, meaning that it has a ton of genes that are regulated in different ways. Same with obesity. Um, and so I, I think that everyone is going to have um, different, I don't want to say set points because that, that word has a lot of baggage, but I think, I think they have pretty wide zones. And I, my hunch is that a lot of that has to do with genes, but a lot of it also probably has to do with fetal microenvironment and early life. Um, and, and what your body, especially in females, what your body feels like is safe. Um, so if your mother was a dieter and she died when you were in utero, that's probably going to turn on some stuff that, uh, that is going to have you fight this a little bit, a, a little bit higher body. And in what way, like what, what happens, uh, when a mother is restricting energy intake, what happens in general when you restrict energy intake? To the, to, I mean, you're gonna have all this, all this, all this male. You're gonna have all these adaptations, and so then you're gonna now that baby thinks that little human thinks that it's coming into a world where nutrients are not available. And, and you tell yourself the same thing when you go into a diet, right? That there's food is scarce. Mm-hmm. I you're mean, in a like, your internal environment doesn't necessarily know that there is a McDonald's down the street. Like it just knows what you're giving it, right? <laughs> so uh, that that's a that's a huge concept in that. It doesn't know. It sees that as a threat. Like yeah. you're, you're everything, you know, we've only had McDonald's for a hundred years, maybe less. Uh, and so your body's your, your mind, your body, it sees dieting as it's a, it is, it is a threat to the system. Mm-hmm. I think that you need to understand that if you want to go to those places, you got to know like what, is going to happen <laughs> and, and you're going to be setting yourself up really just to gain weight. That, that's what I think a weight loss phase is in, in my mind. Now weight loss phases are preparing you for weight gain. Cause that's the one thing we can pretty much guarantee mm-hmm. is going to happen. Like you're going to gain weight eventually. And if you want to maintain weight loss forever, the, you got the weight loss registry is pretty clear about the, the habits that you have to maintain. You have to have, you may have to maintain a high level of self monitoring, so you can't ever you can't ever quit. Like you can't ever wave the white flag. Yeah, yeah. Like life is never going to be normal. It's not like so. You got to you got to be active. You got to maintain a high nutrient dense diet. Um, and so and so these things you have. You, what we see is in the in the diet community, and, and this this is like why why diets make you fat. Like these these types of books that come out is because yeah, like this system is incredibly powerful. And there, but there may be like, just so it's not all like doom and gloom, like there, there probably is a range that we you can, can win. you know, like you, I think that 
you can get there's there's strategies and maybe we'll talk about them you know of, of how to get there safely I and think huge what big metabolic benefits too. yeah like yeah even losing five percent of your weight you're gonna have huge metabolic so is you know is there a place where we can go if we if we think of this concept as like maybe there's a genetic component to how lean you can be, but there's a range, you know, like, so you can maybe be okay, especially we talk about females, maybe they're okay from, from 17 to 20% body fat. My hunch should be that genetic component is, is how hard you fight it. Mm. That would be my hunch is like, cause it's all relative, right? So your body, your brain is going to get used to however much fat you had on board via leptin, via all the signaling pathways. And so my, my hypothesis would be that your body is going to fight it. Based based on how high you got, and that that to me is a representation that you've hit that threshold. You know, when you have to, when, when all of a sudden you're dreaming about food, or like you're you finish your meal and you're thinking about your next meal, th- that's a sign to me that like all right, our performance is starting to decline. Like you're at that place where you got to be careful now. Is you go any lower than that, like it's gonna it's gonna become an issue. That's when you're gonna start to see, or you may already be seeing some of these things change in terms of what we've been talking about with the labs. And so Same thing happens to me. Yeah. When I go under 180, I just start thinking about every time I'm going to eat during the day. Yeah, yeah. And so so that's probably – so you could probably teeter on that line, and you may still be able to make progress in the gym. You may still be able to live okay and, and not have – I don't know. that. Like if we look at these right here, like you're not adapted probably <laughs> at all. Yeah, like yeah. from May to November, I – like metabolic, like if we look at these labs, like I don't think that you're going to be putting on muscle. In yeah. fact, you're hypogonadal uh, by definition uh, in June. So, so you- let's let's talk about that because like there is some debate about you know whether testosterone even matters, right? Because we know if you get on a bunch of androgynous testosterone, like you're probably going to put on some muscle. Like that, that's we're not talking about uh, super physiological ranges. So does it even matter? You know, is it is there a difference? Let's talk about the higher end first, maybe. Is there a difference between being, if we're looking at a normal range of, of what, 300 to 1,000 or 300 to 1,100, whatever the range is, is there any benefit uh, to being at 1,100 compared to 700 in terms of the amount of muscle mass you can gain? I, I don't think inside of physiologic ranges, I think of, I think of testosterone as a canary in that um, if it's, you can't separate them. There's so many things that can knock down testosterone that would also knock down your ability to put on muscle that you really can't, you can't ever, you can't ever interdigitate those. You can't ever pull them apart. Um, And so to me, testosterone is a canary. The, there is some, some really screwed up research in this where they took, you know, college age meals and this is, you know, this is, isn't that long ago, uh, but they took college's meals and they gave them a GnRH agonist, which sounds weird for people. GnRH is the signal at the level of the hypothalamus, which turns on the pituitary. Pituitary secretes uh, luteinizing hormone. That hits your testicles. The testicles produce testosterone. And so they give them our GnRH agonist because all these things are pulsatile. So your testosterone changes throughout the day. So that's one of the things that people need to to understand is that like if you get your testosterone can can vary like thirty to fifty percent even throughout the day. Like I can I can show charts of that um it's going to be generally highest in the morning and then lowest in the evening so if, if you have if you got your testosterone draw at a different time like you can it can look different um that's why you want to keep these as as similar as possible same you, there's even people that argue like same day of the month like there's there's that um there's that i don't i don't think you need to have that level of control but i would say definitely the same type of day same type of environment um, and so these, these hormones are by themselves variable. They're not static. And, and so when we think about area under the curve, this is kind of like when you think about how much hormone is available for the entire day, 
and then the area under that. So essentially, if you're if you start your day at 900 and then you go up, and you have the area under the curve, and that's why we found that these acute hormonal spikes with training don't matter yep. um, because is, in terms of area under the curve, they it doesn't matter. Um, and, and James Krieger has a really good, um, really good. I would call it an article, um, going into the evidence that we do have of of different testosterone ranges related to muscle mass growth. And to me, there's, there's, there's kind of two avenues to look at this. There's females can put on relatively just as much muscle mass as men. Uh, they're, if anything, they're stronger in their lower body comparatively than us. Um, they can't take upper body, but that has to do with a lot of things. Um, and so, but muscle mass wise, they can put on just as much as us relatively. And they have a fraction of they have a twentieth, a thirtieth of the testosterone as us. Yes, they they have some other hormones that help them out. Um, estrogen itself is highly protective for muscle. Uh, think about for women going postmenopausal, you're you're losing. You're gonna now have like I think it's one twentieth of the level of estrogen that you had before. You, every all your hormones are gonna go down. You have one quarter of the level of testosterone. Um, most of your testosterone is gonna come from androgen down from the adrenal glands, and so. You're gonna have these depth. They're gonna have these hormones drop, and what do you see postmenopausally? Bone, muscle, bam, get knocked. Um, so this isn't just a male issue, but I think that when you drive, when we're thinking about inside of physiologic ranges, this to me, I'm, I think that someone who's new could. I I don't. Yes, I'm not even a could. If someone, if a newbie had these values. And they came, I would obviously think that there's something wrong, right? That's not, it's out of my scope. It's, it needs to be, it needs to be taken care of by a medical provider. Um, but the, there's something wrong here, but that something wrong does not mean that they can't gain muscle. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. So, so basically is the answer testosterone therapy at that point? No. Uh, look what happened to you. Yeah. Right. I, I, like, so I think you, you, that even in the journal of endocrinology, you say lifestyle, all lifestyle measurement, all lifestyle strategies need to be tried first before you do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's a very, you need to try to do like, could it, could your low testosterone be because of a TBI? Could it be because you have a varicocele? Yes. These are all things that can be tested. You can get a pituitary MRI. You can, you can do, you can do your due diligence. And it still might come back like, hey, we don't necessarily know why your testosterone is low. Mm -hmm. um, you could not be eating enough fat. You could be too skinny. It could just be a metabolic adaptation. You could have, you could be an alcoholic. You could have high ferritin. There's, there's a ton of different reasons that you could have low testosterone. You probably want to take care of those before you start, you know, before you start the jack. Yeah. Um, and, and so to me, the inside of physiologic ranges is is not going to predicate your hyper your ability to put on muscle unless it is being caused by not sleeping you know over o ots being stressed out of your mind like all of these things that we know are going to affect different types of body composition and so this to me why is your testosterone low because you three percent body stop eating right? yeah. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're starving it makes a lot of sense i mean why why would that be online why would you be trying to create more humans if you can't even provide for yourself just from the simplest uh, explanation possible. If you look at my testosterone, it's like, you know, in the previous measurements, they're not super high. So it would, it's more like a measure that you would use to see, hey, well, if you see a drop down to uh, one third of what it normally is, like, okay, what's going on here? It's not so much that the, it's the testosterone that's the issue. It's that there's something else that must be driving that. So I think that's where people get like all excited about testosterone levels it's probably not all that important for muscle mass. 
unless you're seeing a huge decline like that. And even in that case, it's not about the testosterone. It's, it's about what's going on that created that change. So this is a, this is a stu- the, the Kvorning study uh, in 2006. And so they, they dropped these dudes down. Like we're talking their, their testosterone is at like 30. Mm-hmm. Like they, it was super low. So this is, they started at 650, bam, knocked them down. This is a GNRH agonist. And they look at like lean body mass. They still gained 1.5 kilos of, of muscle. Even at that, these are, these are untrained people. They still gain muscle even with, you know, not even clinically low testosterone. They had, yeah, like, shit. They yeah, had like, 10% of what you had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, if your testosterone is low and you're a noob, it, you can, and I'm not saying this to be negative. I'm just saying, don't use it as an excuse. Maybe motivationally. I think that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. I think if you're, if your testosterone is low, you're like behaviorally, you're going to have a lot of stuff that comes with that. And, and so physiologically, I think that you can put on muscle at, if depending on how advanced you are. Um, but then again, every, I think everything starts to matter. This seems to be around four to 500 seems to be where your testosterone is. Yep. You don't have any low T symptoms. It just seems to be where you are. Um, you have done a ton of dieting in your life. Um, but you don't have any, you don't have any low testosterone symptoms there. And, and there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about this. You're, you're fucking giant, dude. Like you have an FFMI of like 27.5, 28. Like this, he's lifetime natty. Um, but somehow has all the side effects. <laughs> and so the, he's put on a ton of muscle and his, you don't see his testosterone at 1100. Like he is, it's not, he's not, it just is what it is. So we don't know testosterone receptor sensitivity. We don't know how long this is sticking around. We don't know anything. Um, it, it, we don't know what's happening at the cellular level. We don't know the androgen receptor response. Element. There's so many things that we don't know. So remember, what we know is a product of what we can measure. And what we can measure here is your testosterone took a fucking dive. And that's probably representative that you weren't getting any type of adaptation here. Yeah. But I think that now, I think this is interesting because this is the highest your percent body fat has probably ever been. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, I have one measurement higher than that. And, and there's... Which is probably there. honestly like inside the level of testosterone itself. You got to remember these are nanograms per deciliter. So these are, these are tons, yeah. tiny, like we're talking paper clips in a pool. Like that's the concentrations we're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is going to have some error bars on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, but you did have like, you did have a ton of psychological stuff going on. Yeah, here. I think that you, you know, if you don't want to get blood work done, I don't think you necessarily need to. I mean, you know, your testosterone is low. You can take the Adam questionnaire, which dude, is, I mean, like you could just wake up in the morning and see if you have an erection. Like, and if you don't have an erection for 90 days straight, like you probably are having some issues there. All right. Yeah, we lost Bob. He's fine. Dude. He's so okay. we just keep wrong. Um, so it's, it's pretty, like, you'll know other things are going on when that, I, just, I don't know. What, don't we run on the internet? We run out of power. No, we're not using the internet. Dude. What are we using? Just okay. Well, things are we a little different. Backup power things source? are a little different than uh, Texas. We're set so up, dude. I don't don't, I don't know anything about these guys. So okay. I'm so nervous. I was about to get on a roll uh, about boners that you cut me off. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, you, did, did Steph turn off the power because I said Jeez, boner? You were good about the, listen. So you had a lot of psychological stuff. A lot of psychological, a lot of physiological things going on. So in terms of like the the psychological stuff, like uh, I like, I was completely trying to seclude myself every, every month, which is pretty normal for me. Honestly. Sickness like, behavior. Like look at what yeah. dogs do. And yeah, I mean literally like food guarding. Like if you, 
if you come up to me while I'm eating, like I might stab you with my fork. Uh, like it's, it's a normal that November treat, dude, you didn't, we, it was like legitimately 25 of your best friends and you didn't talk to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. That was right after finishing the diet. Yeah. So I was still, you know, sub 200 pounds and getting to eat again. The only thing that I wanted to do, like you didn't if I lived with us. No, I didn't want to live with you guys. Well, I was also on my own training program, but I, I wouldn't have either. Like yeah. I, it was I just everything that I did, like was just people were taking energy away from me. Essentially, is how I was looking at everything, and it was like I'm completely aware of what's going on. You know, like I I know that all this stuff is happening, but I can't fight it. You know, it's just like this evolution taking over. Like it, it's it, there's a reason why I'm acting this way. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it, yeah, it was, it was pretty pretty wild just to watch that whole process taking place and knowing as much about it as I do now but previously I didn't know very much I just knew that I just started hiding in a corner every time that I ate and now you're the watcher of your behavior yeah yeah and and still not able to to talk myself out of it you know just I definitely need to go hide in the closet every time I eat because someone might ask me what I'm eating and that's going to really irritate me and you know I'm just uh, someone might bother me and take me out of my place with everything, you know, it's just with training with, and I'm, and I'm honestly, I'm still that way. I'm still recovering from that. I mean, we're, it's almost July. I mean, it's been almost eight months and I'm still like just becoming okay with like coming up to train with you guys. Uh, Cause I would, I, in a lot of ways I, I'm, I'm still wanting to train by myself. So it's, it, these behaviors stick around. And I think like the knee jerk reaction when people start gaining weight again is to go right back into it. And I think that's like the absolute worst thing you could do because you give just, yourself some space. Yeah. that you just, you never, you never recover. So you just have to allow the, the weirdness to take place, like know that it's going to happen and uh, just let yourself recover from it. And that can take a also, variable don't amount of time. live here. Like don't, there's a lot of people that want to like, maybe not live at where the level of leanness that you are at, but there's a lot of people that want to live at like seven and the, the crazy, year. yeah. The crazy thing is, is like if you look at my photos, and I'm not just being modest. Like I'm not anywhere near the level of conditioning that a lot of the best bodybuilders are at. I mean, there's a whole different level of conditioning that I was nowhere near touching. So I don't know what the hell those guys felt like, or are they able to? It's something. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll get there eventually. I'm I'm going to take myself to that place and, and, and we'll see what happens. The data. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So maybe maybe it gets even lower, or maybe I'm not even really able to get there you know, because of all the fucked up stuff I did to myself when I was a kid. I mean, I've been dieting since I was 10 years old. You know, I wrestled, cutting weight, and doing low carb, this, you know, fasting, all sorts of shit uh, since I was a kid. Really. You've been dieting way longer on this earth than you haven't been. Yeah. Way longer. Yeah. Yeah. I started when I was 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, is, which is pretty wild. So, yeah, I think these are... And, but you've come... This is kind of a, a testament to you as an individual, too, but you've come full circle. I think a lot of people, like, aren't the watcher of it. From a cognitive behavioral therapy, you're able to watch yourself catastrophize. You're able to watch yourself kind of have these thoughts, and you can at least... even You maybe can't control them when you're down there, but now you can. You can see them. You can laugh at them. Mm -hmm. and, and we can both make fun of them together. Um, Usually, you just make fun of them. I just... Upset. He still gets upset. I get upset. I uh, get he upset. doesn't get that. He never gets no, upset. He no, just cries to Kayla. Uh, th <laughs> so this is uh, this is just what you're seeing here. This is kind of the cool marker that that I that seems to be getting picked up in the research a little bit more. Is this hemoglobin? Because this is your testosterone dropped. 
So testosterone is going to regulate EPO, which is erythropoietin. That's going to regulate red blood cells synthesis at the level of bone marrow. And so you can see that this, this RBC value is low and then his hemoglobin is low. So he, he's, not, he's not anemic. He, he's not there yet. He's close, I guess. Um, but just acutely, you are driving down red blood cell secretion. So this is kind of one of the, the big markers that they want because this is a cheap marker. So hemoglobin, this is CBC costs $4.50. So if you can just track this over the training career, this could be a marker of overtraining. Would that, ex would that maybe explain some of the, like, the work capacity losses potentially? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, that that's definitely something that you hear subjectively from anyone. Die, I mean, your performance is going to can't carry right. oxygen. That's a big deal. I, I mean, literally, it would be like a five minute recovery between a set of bicep curls. You know, whereas I mean, you've seen me do twenty forties and thirty thirties, mm -hmm. where it's highly metabolic, like very high heart rate sustained threat. Like I mean, that stuff was not even an option at some point. So. Yeah, that that's that's kind of cool because I don't think we've talked about that yet. That that makes sense to me because I was kind of looking for reasons. Like I don't see why this work capacity thing is happening. You know, aside from just your body just trying to shut things down, or your brain trying to shut you down from moving unnecessarily. But uh, there's no change. Like the you can't explain it with glycogen. You know uh, that 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 wouldn't. Well, I think I, maybe I think to a degree, glycogen like, threshold. Glycogen but, is going to have a deal because you're. It's not like you are chronically under consuming food yeah so you probably are dropping glycogen a little bit dropping glycogen so i would make the argument like of carb cycling there or but more around your hardest training session which i which i did you know mm -hmm. and, and i would even notice like even after a uh a refeed week of you know five days in a row of, of 500 carbohydrate still still work past you just kind of so i think there's definitely and uh, looked at some research that says like there was a, like even like a 10% decrease in, in muscle glycogen, you're going to see a decrease in performance, but this is like so significant that it was like, I feel like there had to be something more. And it just, I can, cause I should be getting more efficient at the same time. We talk about oxygen transfer, uh, increased mitochondria. Things should be getting you better. You might've got some good, like that's one of the cool things about doing this is you may have gotten some cool mitochondrial benefits mm -hmm. of, of essentially training low yeah, for time. a six month period. Yeah. And so, when that food comes back in, like, you know, so, yeah. uh, I, I think as my like body composition gets back to, to where it was before, if it does, then I might start to see the benefits of that. But definitely initially as I got, like I passed the first month of training, I don't you know, who knows if it's just psychological, but you just feel like you can do anything. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm actually eating again. Like I can, mm -hmm. I can train all day. Uh, so yeah, that might be a, a part you, of that as well. What happened to your drive to change? Did your, did your, from a, Palm score perspective, did your motivation to train? It probably increases because I'm a psycho. During during when you wow, that's crazy. Yeah, because it, it's it's everything is so dialed in. I mean, I'm just so focused. You're such on a it. robot. Yeah, just such a robot, and I and I really just allow myself to go there because I, I I try not to be that way all the time because it just really. Uh, a strength for everyone else around me. Yeah, it yeah. I've been there before, and I just don't think it's necessary in the off season to, to be like that all of the time. But I just give myself permission to to allow that to happen towards the end of training. So everything is just about about training. So I feel like, yeah, if I allowed motivation to decrease, it certainly would have. But it was just not something that you don't have the option because mm -hmm. if you do, if you let that happen, then you're you're just done. Um, so yeah, you're just getting up on the couch. Yeah, if you if you give into that, that, that's where like even having like this step counter was really beneficial because if I wasn't 
doing that, I would be getting 5,000 steps a day while training. I mean, literally like I would write training programs and be thinking about how to not walk up the stairs too many times throughout the training session. <laughs> like, yeah, you're thinking about how you can be most more efficient, efficient with yeah. your clients. Yeah, just how do I, okay, well, I don't want to have dumbbells and barbells in the same thing because that means I have to set up two different pieces of equipment, you know, they, that kind of shit. So yeah, if, if you're not cognitive about it, at some point, like everything is going to try to just bring you back uh, to, to what your body likes at every level. So if you had to talk to, if you had to kind of guide like number one, like I think people need to realize that you're not advocating for this sport. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. I, and I love this sport more than this is my life. This sport is my life. hundred percent. I've, I've dedicated basically every, every uh, decision that I've made up until this point, since I was 10 years old, has really been about progression in the sport, my job, the way I live, uh, every, my friends, everything. Mm -hmm. And I still would not encourage anyone to do it unless they wanted to. They, they, if we're going to talk about doing a bodybuilding show, we're going to have a long conversation about why you want to do it. And if the reason you want to do it is because you want to have get trophies or you want to have an Instagram following or uh, you, you want to have abs, like that's not like, I'm not going to be your coach. The, if you want to do it because you're interested in, you can do all that stuff by never going to essential body fat level. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, you, yeah. First of all, you can get that like otherwise, but uh, if, if you're like, if you need to have that from just a, just to feel good about something, I would just encourage you to go find another thing that you're good at or semi good at and get better at it. And well, eventually they're going to get crushed too, because you're talking about this and you're talking about external validity and like seeking happiness outside. So I think a lot, like a lot of people, like you, you weren't, you didn't think that you, when you got on stage and you won that trophy, you would be happy. No, like you're no, the work is, I knew the work was done. Yeah. You love no the what. process. Like yeah. That's what makes, that's what makes both of us happy is just like training is pro it's our anchor. It's yeah. our, it's our, it's our keystone habit or whatever the hell you want to call that thing that keeps all the wheels on the bus for us. Mm -hmm. And, and so if, if you want to be a bodybuilder, don't do it for some for some unfound glory that you're not going to get paid for. Do it because you love it. Do it because you love training, and that's where it takes you. Um, and and know know the price of it. Yeah. yeah, that's something I try to be very upfront with people about if they aren't interested in all. I mean, I probably talk more people out of it than I talk into it. And like, keep in mind, like this is also something like it's it's one of the best decisions I've ever made is compete in bodybuilding. Like at the same time, like even mm -hmm. given all of these decrements that that may happen because of it i'm i'm very happy with my decision to get into it and i'll continue to do it because it's it's i'm i'm i need something to to push forward for and it's about just i don't know of any other i haven't personally found any other challenge in my life that's been as satisfying to me to that's been as painful that's been uh, that's caused me to to have to learn as many things as i have and to just go outside of my normal self and that's just the way that I've chosen to do that. So that for someone might be a PhD, you know, that's, mm -hmm. uh, I can't read. So that's not an option. Uh, for someone else, I might be running long distance. You know, that could be doing handstands. Like I, I don't, I don't really care what that is, but if, if you're going to make bodybuilding that thing, you better understand what you're getting yourself into. And uh, I'm not going to try to dissuade you from it, but just understand 
what what that means. Everything has consequences. I, I mean, when I talk to when I when I had the opportunity to speak to to the yoga classes that my wife runs to, to her essentially they're here for a month longer than a month and I get to talk to them about because they love to make fun of people in the weight room. They, they love to make fun of like people that aren't flexible that people that you know they can't do they can't even get into this pose right they love to make fun of that and, and i always and i always talk to them i'm like okay well who are the people who are really good at yoga do they have problems like do they have yeah their backdoor clients are in a shit ton of pain right so if you take anything out to its extremes you're gonna have consequences you take bodybuilding onto extreme yes you're gonna have a limited range of motion like you have too much fucking muscle. Uh, so there's always going to be a consequence. And I think a lot of people get into this without necessarily knowing the consequences of getting to that level. But both of us, I'm not, I'm not really friends with anybody who hasn't found a level of mastery in something. Like, cause I think when you, when you chase mastery, when you chase the process and you're not like just an insane novelty seeker, uh, we can, we have a common ground. Yeah. Um, it's so all the same thing. It's all like it is because you're you are you are addicted to the process and you are probably just a student of your craft. Mm -hmm. So, um, anything else you want to talk about related to this last season um, and how you got second place to a guy who wasn't even fucking big, <laughs> like, dude? I was. Uh, I mean that, that those are all like it's the sport. That that was sport. crazy though. Like this dude. They took pictures. He won. Uh, let's not let's not belittle him. He was big, uh, but he was nowhere near as big as you. Like clear, clear. Like I'm Ryan's friend. Obviously, I'm gonna look. Which is one of the problems with bodybuilding. Like super subjective sport. Like that's one of the reasons. Like ah, this is gonna piss me off. Like super subjective. Like all, you gotta you gotta think everything's gonna matter, right? Because you're 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 literally going on stage in a G string naked. And then you're asking these other people to, to validate you or to just literally rip you apart. Yeah, if you have body image issues, you don't start with that. <laughs> or you do. Yeah, yeah. Or, you, or you, at least you get in a mirror and you kind of deal with them. Um, and, and so that was, that's pretty crazy to essentially put three, four years of your life on the line for someone else's opinion of you yeah. in, a, in a very like bureaucratic situation mm -hmm. um and so if you are dead set on results bodybuilding is probably not your game because you're just you're gonna have to deal with a lot of bullshit yeah i mean there's there's plenty of other things you do i, I compete in powerlifting in the off season and that's pretty objective i mean they, there's some subjectivity yeah. with like squat depth and, and there's kind of you know sometimes you have some calls but um I don't, it's just not, it's never, nothing I've ever done has been about trophies. I've never been good at anything. Like I've never just been like excelled at, at one thing just right off the bat. So I don't know what that's like to just be, you know, get accolades for something. Uh, so it, it's never mattered. The only thing that I've gotten accolades for is just working hard. And so that I can do and that, that I can do in any different realm. Uh, so yeah, if you're putting your, all the stock on that trophy, cause I know people like that, that like, you know, even people that have, that have one shows that were like shit like i didn't think i really looked that good but i'm super pumped i got this trophy and i'm like what the like it doesn't make any sense like mm -hmm. you didn't you you weren't good like everybody else is just bad or like the judges just like whatever you had for whatever reason but like did you actually do all the things that you needed to do like are you satisfied with your process are you satisfied with what you were able to achieve um and is it dependent on and and that's like that's our that's our culture right now really i mean people like trophies people like to be uh 
special for whatever reason. But uh, I don't know. That's just not that's just not what I'm about. I'm not really interested in any of that stuff. So I can, I mean, it's kind of like the running joke in my family, like with bodybuilding shows, it's like, I'm going to lose, like no matter what, <laughs> like it doesn't matter what everybody else looks like, like I'm not going to win. And I don't really care. Like, cause I, I've always been more motivated by sucking at things that I have, like being told that I'm good at them anyway. So I would rather have that if I'm going to use that as motivation, but I'm at the point where it's just like a bodybuilding show is just a, like a tangible moment where i can just say hey like how did i do these last it's part years? of the process that's the only way that i can really assess honestly mm-hmm. like because i will be talking about measuring muscle mass and body fat percentage all these things are we don't really you can't really measure this too much accuracy so the only thing i have is to get on stage and compare pictures four years from now and uh if, if I which is arguably it, maybe not even like we should really think about like maybe getting mri measurements like cross-sectional mri measurements uh, which which could be pretty costly. I might be able to get them maybe a little bit cheaper, but that is that's really our gold standard. Is you lie in there on a on a on the inside of magnetic donut and and getting you know how big what is the what is the muscularity of your legs, um, but then you'd have to take like three or four days off. The thing that like it's it's funny because you know the last it's really just been the last couple of years that, that you and I have known each other. And, and I haven't really had a whole lot of people to talk to about this stuff. It's always just been something I pursued on my own. I haven't really had a coach like for like a brief stint I did, but I've always done this with stuff by myself. So it's, it's really just been all process for me for a long mm-hmm. time. So the, probably to the detriment of progress, really where I've just kind of got so wrapped up in training and enjoying training and just kicking the shit out of myself that I forgot that I'm actually supposed to be progressing in something. And now it's kind of come back the other way where it's like, I'm putting a lot of stock in, am I making progress? And we talk a lot about how do we measure progress and are we maximizing everything? And I'm finding myself getting very wrapped up in that again. And I have to, I have to be careful with that because at some point, like I'm, I'm, the gains are going to be so small. You may not be able to, I might not even be able to without drugs. See, I might not be able to do anything. So I can't get too hung up on that stuff. Like I, I, as a, uh, like a pseudo scientist or, or someone who watches behind the scenes, like I would love to see a more accurate measure of, of hypertrophy, but I don't personally need that because I'm just going to continue to do the things that I that we have evidence of, of makes sense. You're going to do everything you can. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can do. All the variables that you can. Yeah, and it's it's not going to change very much. Like I'm not going to be dissatisfied if I put on half a pound of muscle compared to a quarter pound of muscle. Like I'm still making progress. I'm still able to do this shit. Like it's something that I can't live without. Like, so there's, there's no option. Like that's the most important thing to me is that I can, that I have longevity in this. I'm able to continue to do it. Obviously I want to maximize things, but I don't have so much stock in the end result. It's not about the outcome. It's about that process. As corny as that sounds, a guy will say it all day uh, because that, that really is the only thing that's, that's always driven me. And I think if you can push someone to, to enjoy that process, like they will, they'll do it forever. And it, there's never disappointment. It's, it's just like, Oh shit, that didn't work. Well, let's, let's go this second, second option here. And, and I, I think that saved you a lot of, a lot of trouble. And I think the only reason that both of us like want to, that we are driven to collect data and pay for this data and, and you know, give a lot out of our lives to collect these data and, and try to answer these questions is, is because we do want to do it the, the quote unquote right way. And yeah. we might be completely wrong, but at least I want to be as close to the truth as you can. Um, and that I want to give ourselves like, yeah, if you can't gain muscle, 
cool, awesome. I, I like, I don't really care about that either. Like if I can't get any bigger, um, it doesn't bother me. I'm still going to go in that room and I'm going to train fucking hopefully for the rest of my life. Um, just to, just to stave off getting, not getting not bigger, but like getting smaller. Yeah, which is, yeah. which is, you know, that's terrifying. Yeah. That that's terrifying. Which is probably, you know, that's probably an issue that we should both have to deal with in our lives or something. Uh, maybe probably not now. Uh, we'll just throw that out. We'll, so we'll talk about that in like 30 to 80 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think if you're, if you're someone who's dedicating your life to this stuff, I think it's kind of your responsibility. I think we both feel like it's our responsibility to pass that on to the next generation of, of idiots that want to just live things forever. Uh, like, let's try to, let's get some research. Like, we're the people that are doing this shit. Mm -hmm. So like, even if it's just case study, even if it's just collecting your own data, like we can pile enough of this stuff and we might be able to get some answers. And why would we not want to do things the most efficient way? Why? I mean, I want to see, I want to see people get to fucking 250 pounds at 10% body fat naturally. Like I want to see, can we, can we figure that out? Is there a oh, formula that we can figure out? Hell yeah. I want to be the first person to do it. I, I you know, well, I guess, uh, that was Pan, Panda, whatever that guy's name is. Simeon Panda. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he already did it. He's right, not but that big though, he's 220. He's 220? Yeah, he's not, a, maybe 230. So I'm bigger than him. Yeah, but he's 220. Yeah, yeah, but nobody wants to You're like 5'8". Like with, with a winter jacket, I look just as good as him. <laughs> so, okay. No, uh, but I was thinking about this the other day, is that I had, I started really training probably, like, I don't know, doing stupid shit, I guess. Maybe you wouldn't call it training. But like, I was in a weight room, maxing out my bench press <laughs> my squat when I was 13 years old. And so I've been doing this for 20 years and it probably took me a good you know, 12 to 13 years to get close to my genetic potential. And then now I've just been like fits shimmling around for the last six, six or seven years. And so John is such a cool case study because I, I legitimately, it, it's depressing to me, <laughs> but I legitimately think, and John is, uh, he works here at Flow, um, and he, he just has a completely open mind. He doesn't have to think about anything. All his food is prepared. He just comes in and trains with us. Um, and, and so it's so cool because I think we may be able to get him there in two to three years. Where you're at. Yeah, I think we might, like, his, in terms of his genetic potential, definitely his lower body. I think we'll probably be able to get in there to the law of plan of depreciating returns in, in three-ish years. Mm -hmm. Upper body might take a little bit longer. Uh, but some people might think, like, I would be mad about that. Or I would be, like, I would be bitter. Like, no, I mean, that's so cool to me. That's so cool that we can do this in a more efficient manner because that's what the majority of your clients want. They, do, they, they, they want to get them addicted to the process, and you want to change, chase results. And I think it's not that hard in the beginning. It doesn't have to be that hard. Um, and if we maximize all these variables and we can get people addicted to showing up, make it easy, make it satisfying, like do all these things that we know drive behavior change, then we can get people there a lot quicker with a lot less fuckery. Yeah. That's the goal. That's you know. cool. Yeah. I think if I was going to say any one, one more thing to, to wrap this up is I want – uh, and we already said it, but I just want to make it very clear that you don't have to be a bodybuilder for this shit to happen. So mm. if, again, if you're starting at 30% body fat and you lose 10% body fat, like this stuff could happen to you as well. Like you're going to see changes. Uh, so maybe we'll have at some point, we'll talk about like, how do we lose that body fat efficiently? How do we do it to, to uh, mitigate some of these, these adaptations, but just keep in mind that like, if you're, 
a 30 year old male and you lost a shitload of weight and now you don't get erections and you don't have any kind of sex drive and like that's that's a that's a big deal like so and it could be as simple as just maybe you need to eat a little bit more again uh maybe you, don't, you might not even need to gain necessarily all that weight back but maybe you're just pushing that a little bit too hard right now so i would just like i, I want to make that clear to everybody that it doesn't have to be single digit body fats for you to see these adaptations take place well i would i would even second that and that putting on muscle to me is way way more important than getting like if, if you don't have a lot of muscle, you are going to have to get yeah, insanely lean to look muscular. Yeah. Uh, if you have a ton of muscle, you could look pretty good at like 15 to 16% body fat. It's pretty crazy. Yep. Like you could look jack. You'll definitely look way better in clothes. Like yep. if you have clothes on, you'll, I'm telling you, you're going to look better at 15% with clothes on than you will at a left. Especially if you turn your neck. You got you to gotta do the neck training neck. program. Uh, but absolutely, yeah. So I think the the focus needs to we need to stop fucking worrying about fat and we need to start worrying about muscle because muscle is really the savior. And if you put on muscle, then you can then maybe you, you don't even need to lose that much body body fat. Yeah, that's a that's a huge point. Yeah, that's just always I think just thinking ahead, man. Like just like when you make decisions, think about what those consequences are, and, and if there's any opportunity that you can build yourself up. In the future, why wouldn't you try to do that? Why wouldn't you try to make just things easier for yourself in the future and set yourself up to be more resilient? Poor Vita. All right, y'all. Um, maybe we'll be back. We'll probably we'll probably do a couple more of these. Yeah, uh, I might change my shirt if we do it today. But nah, we'll, gonna, we're gonna. I hope that you guys enjoyed uh, us talking back and forth um, in the basement. And uh, if you don't, let me know. I'll just go in my bed over here, and he'll just do a podcast by himself again. Uh, yeah, I can interview you. You can just sit in the back and I'll give you other people. Yeah. Uh, so we appreciate you if you're still around here uh, listening to this. And if you want to help us, like we do this for love of the game. Um, both of us, you know, we're not, neither of us are insanely wealthy. We, we luckily have, you know, you know significant others who support us. Trophies. So we're just trying to work on gender equality. Um, and, and, <laughs> Part of that process is that we're, you know, we're not asking you to come because we, because we need you to come. Um, and in fact, we don't really need you to come. The, the hypertrophy camp is going to be in December, December 13th through 20th. Um, and, and we're just going to be living these principles. We're going to be talking about these principles. It's a, it's a time for you to be weird. Um, we're all just going to be, we're going to be training together. Um, it doesn't matter if you're an advanced or you're an intermediate or you're even a novice. Uh, we're we're going to figure out what, what the best strategy is for you. And we're going to, put you in that group uh we're going to work on your moving patterns we're going to kind of we're going to give you the tools that that we found have worked um through both research and training people for a long period of time and and so if you want to come to that uh just shoot me an email uh or shoot ryan a direct message on instagram he checks it like once a month yeah i get to it i'll get to it by december yeah you'll get it you'll, it'll be if you guys have a conversation month to month it'll, it'll yeah, work we'll itself out yeah. uh so appreciate you and if you this stuff, the, the research that we're talking about, everything that we're talking about, it, it doesn't, it's not free. It, like everything, everything has a price, right? So if you're not willing to pay that price, um, maybe stop listening to all these podcasts that are talking about research um, <laughs> because you're not helping. 